Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six point five percent was it? Is is that what the current odds are of the Stanley Cup? Well, and you, if you look at the round by round progression, the Stanley Cup favorite is uh-huh. the Vancouver Canucks. Like what a time to be alive! I- Talking you through every goalie controversy, scoring slump, and draft lottery bust, this is the C4 Podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Here they are, the best starting lineup we could afford under the salary cap. Chris, Matt, Anna, and Adam. Welcome to another episode of the C4 Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com. This is one of your hosts, Anna Forsyth, at a poor slide zero three on the Twitter. We are once again down a host. We are missing um, Chris Golden at Lightforce on the Twitters. Um, not for any nefarious reason. He's fine. Doesn't need your well wishes, but feel free to send them anyway. He's good. And if you enjoyed our podcast a few weeks ago, um, you're going to be very happy to hear that we are once again joined by the Knights Conversation, Knights Army's Chris Faber. Chris Faber 39 on the Twitters. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. And as somebody who is not the regular host on my show for introing in, I think you did an excellent job there, Anna. Pretty good. <laughs> I, I think I've done this with you before. I've heard a couple of your intros because you know I listen every week. I've heard some of your intros. That was one of your better ones. I'll say I that. agree. I like hate doing intros. So um, <laughs> that was a smoother one. And I think it's because I didn't think about it too much. I think you can kind of get in your head I'm in about the. It. Oh, well, I'm in the camp because I have to do every Friday. I have Harmon in studio instead of quads, right? Yeah. So when Harmon comes in, you'd think that I'd like get better at it as, as like the weeks go on, but I don't because I do four shows during the week with quads where he does it. Then I like lose any momentum that I had from last Friday. And then the next Friday comes around, I just zoo it all up. So uh, yeah, well done. Thanks. Good intro. Thanks, bud. Yeah, I think you do just fine with Harmon. Um, I think it is tricky because of the different roles that you and Quads play on the podcast. He's very much trying to rein you in most of the time. So it's kind of hard <laughs> when you have to be the sort of host as well. So I get that. And I think it's the same for me. Yeah, it was, it was very funny when we like uh, when our DoorDash sponsorship ended because it threw Quads off so hard, like coming back. <laughs> and he's like, brought to you by 
and then you, like I just saw him like I don't know if you could what YouTube video it was but you can have the video of it now because he just like froze and he's like like so like robotic with the intro and you when you don't have like the regular sponsor just like yeah, throw everything out the window I mean we've changed networks once and that like has thrown me so um I'm like we can't change networks again because I'm gonna forget it um but yeah the reason for Chris Faber being here um as I said Chris our other usual Chris is just fine um but we decided that it was a great idea to bring Chris Faber in um, to talk about the Abbotsford Canucks. Um, we just had a break in the NHL schedule for the All-Star game, which sucked anyway. So it's not a great time for the NHL, maybe, especially not for the Vancouver Canucks, who have just lost in overtime to the Devils, as you might have seen in the Jack H- in the Hughes derby. Um, once again, <laughs> Canucks come out on the running end of things. So, yeah, we thought it was a good chance to talk about the Abbotsford Canucks. Um Real quick, Chris, before we get into Rewind, do you have any adult Canucks, Vancouver Canucks stuff you want to discuss? Maybe the Bo Horvat New Deal? What were your, was your reaction yeah. to that? Yeah, I thought somebody, you know, whoever was going to trade for Horvat was likely to sign a deal like this. So I don't think it came as much of a surprise. I was a little, I'd say a little bit surprised to see it get up to 8.5 at the max eight years. Like I thought... If you're giving them eight years, maybe it is something in the eight million range. But to see it kind of be the eight point five, you know, it was like Lou Lamorello said, like it was <laughs> too long and too much money. Like uh, I guess in the end, when you make that trade and give up that many assets, you kind of want to secure the piece that you got back for a long time to make it worthwhile of what you just gave up for him. So it, in the end, you know, I I wish Horvat nothing but success there. It's just going to be interesting to see what happens with the Islanders because. Uh, I don't know. They're, it's not like they're... T- it it kind of reminds me a little bit, but obviously a lot of very different circumstances around it, but it somewhat reminds me of like uh, when the Canucks made a trade for Miller to become a playoff team. Like That's what it feels like the Horvat trade was. It felt like the Islanders made the trade for Horvat to really become a playoff team for the years to come. So we'll see if it works out for them. It uh, didn't work out great for the Canucks, but maybe it will for the Islanders. <laughs> totally. Um, I think that's a really great comparison considering how much JT and Bo have been compared recently. But that trade thing is a good point because one, like we kind of saw Bo getting an $8 million deal and don't begrudge him that, but it's just like, is it the right time to make that investment? Was it the right time? Either time we kind of dealt for JT or re-upped him. Probably not, but um, yeah, I kind of, you kind of hope that um, the Islanders are on a better track than we kind of see them as, but <laughs> We'll see. I don't know. Like, best of luck to Bo. They started off with a win, so who knows? Yeah, we'll see. I did find it. uh, It was kind of funny watching, like, Bo Horvat do that high five thing that he does off the bench. And, like, he's on the ice doing it. And then, like, three steps behind him on the bench is their actual captain (laughs) uh, on his lead. And I was just like... Uh, it's like cutting in front of the line in somebody, but he's doing it to like give high fives. He's like, I'm the captain now. Like that, uh, <laughs> yeah. that movie. Quote. Like, it, was it, was, funny. it was very funny. It is funny. Cause I wonder if that's just like, that's what he does after a game. And it's just almost like muscle memory at this point that like whatever sweater he's in, he's like, yeah, this is what I do after a game. And yeah. So it was made me laugh. But it was also painful. I wonder how long we're going to keep seeing every single game like clips from Canucks fans just in Canucks media reposting Bo. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I guess the wound yeah, is Yeah, it'll be 
Yeah, it's going to be a weird scene for a little bit here. Even the All-Star game, seeing him in that Blue Islanders jersey was like, oh, like it it, it just like hit me in a weird way of like actually seeing it. But yeah. that's the usual now. Yeah, the stuff with Petey was definitely um, pretty brutal to see. But yeah, new normal, we'll have to get used to it. And ne- this coming week, we'll, we'll be very much confronted with it when we play the Islanders. Um, so that'll be interesting. But yeah, like... As I say, we're here to talk about the Abbotsford Canucks, so we'll take a real quick break and then we'll get into it. So if we look back at the recent um, week that was with uh, the Abbotsford Canucks, they've just had to come from behind wins against, I mean, we'll say it, not great opposition in the San Jose Barracuda. Like, they're not um, a great, one of the AHL great teams there, but um, definitely showed some resilience um like first of all we saw the first game from new kid on the block Artu ratu um what did you make of him yeah i think there was there was a lot of things that i really liked uh in his game there was a few things that you're like okay he's still 20 there's a lot of room for him to grow and develop and work on those weaknesses uh the things that i really liked were how he was attacking open ice to kind of get himself into a spot to at least get a shot opportunity from like I think he's you could see that he thinks the game at a high level compared to other AHLers which is good and that's something that like I love to see from a young AHLer if they're thinking the game the right way then you're like okay then they can round out the the physical parts of the game but if they can think it like you have to think that that's a, a very positive look for a player moving forward. It's it's what I've kind of seen from Danilo Klimovic this year compared to last year. It's like he's thinking the game a lot different and it's looking a lot better. But uh, with Ratu, biggest thing this weekend, I feel like was trying to not say Ratty every time yeah. I talked about him. So like I'm working on that still. So I may screw that up as we go here. But um, I think the worry about Ratu would be like the actual pace that he would get with. I mean, I, I thought when he's at full speed, he doesn't look horrible, but getting the full speed, yeah, it, it's just a strange, right. yeah. yeah, it's like a choppiness to get there. Um, and he's still so young and it's only two games. So I don't want to say like, that's a, a massive problem in his game. I, I don't know that for sure, mm-hmm. but uh, it definitely didn't, you know, he even, you know, to bring up Klimovich again, like, you know, Klimovich is about the same age and he's got that power behind his stride over the past year. So maybe the uh, the skating coach out there, Mackenzie Braid, has done a good job with right. Klimovich. Yeah, and I hope that, that uh, he, yeah, I hope he gets to work with Ratu as well and kind of do the same thing, because that's an area where we've seen this with Bo Horvat or circle back to him. We can see that this can be improved on with a good skating coach and the Canucks in Abbotsford there, they have a very good skating coach in the AHL. So that's good news anyways. Yeah. I mean, you made that point on the podcast this week and I think it's a good one. I mean, by his own admission, I think he said this in his first media availability. Ratu says that skating is something he's been working on and definitely something he needs improvement on. Um, but yeah, I think I've, I can't even remember who said it, but like, I remember reading in the off season, just, someone kind of going in detail about like skating that can be taught like i hate to Mm. use a cliche but hockey sense it's it's more difficult right and thinking the game at that sort of higher level which yeah we've seen klimovich start to do um yeah seems to be like a really positive thing especially when you're looking at like transferring his skills um up to the nhl level 
Yeah, I, I think it's also really good that they're using him at center, too. Like, uh, I didn't see a shift where he started on the wing, and that's really good news because maybe that day will come. But for now, when he's in the AHL as a 20-year-old, like, play the wheels off of him at center because you need centers in this organization. And if he can be the guy that is in the mix to be with Elias Pettersson and JT Miller is kind of your 3C, like, he's got two really good shields in front of him there uh, if JT Miller can figure it out at center. And then it's it's a nice little spot to slot in because you're not asking him to be a top six. You're just like, hey, be a, a yeah. contributor on our third line as the center. That's That's all you're asking of him, really. Yeah, I think so. Um, and yes, God knows this um, organization definitely has enough um, going on in the wing and really needs that investment <laughs> at center. But I think it's often the case that you look back at trades and see what the departing organizations fans kind of say, and they seem to be a bit miffed about the deal. Like they kind of like uh, Beverly, they they quite like um, Ratu, and they definitely see him as a like good center prospect. So I think that's probably indicative of like potential at least right Mm -hmm. yeah i I like to see ratu like get a chance to play with like nils huglander is a good example i think Mm. phil DiGiuseppe was a good example like players that have been in the nhl and have seen what the nhl is like to kind of be able to give him like just helpful tips or be in the right spot like if you have nhl experience and you've done it consistently like nils huglander has you know phil DiGiuseppe before he came to vancouver like these guys have played in the NHL and know what it's like. So like I like him I like Ratu having a line mate that is one of those guys. So I really hope now that Pod Colson's called up and uh you know PDG's up here as well. I I do really hope that we do see Ratu and Huglander play together because they could be, you know, on the third line in three years from now for the Vancouver Canucks. So get that chemistry going now and get a chance for Ratu to play with a guy who's got a lot of NHL experience and Niels Huglander now. Yeah. Totally. And speaking of the call-ups, so um, we did see this week um, Pod Colson, um, Niels Armand, and Phil Giuseppe get called up from um, Alsford to Vancouver. And you have to say, they kind of hit the ground running. Um, each one of them tonight looked really good. Um, I mean, I think I just heard, maybe it was Daniel Wagner described Niels Oman as like having pep which i can't imagine associating with him when you see him in everyday life but yeah (laughs) he looked like they all look good tonight right yeah well what did you think of like amon in the ahl i thought for a little while he had a lot of confidence when he came in to shoot but i felt like he kind of turned back into the nhl that he was later on in his ahl stand like what did you think of him because he was i think he was in a very different spot than hugliner and pod colson where it was like Hey, just go get confident. Yeah. Like with him on, I don't know if it was the same. I think they wanted to see some other things from him, but I didn't think he had a great finish to his AHL stint. No, I agree with that. Um, yeah, it's strange to see because it seems to have been the same thing in the NHL, right? Like he started off pretty strong, pretty consistent, and mm-hmm. then the star faded like much like with Dakota Joshua um, or a player like that. It's just like that kind of solid third line kind of fourth line um contributors like really faded off pretty quick and it did seem to be the same way with nils arman because you're looking at like people going down to ahl particularly someone like that have spent an extended time in the nhl to be like standout right um in one way or the other um and it does seem like podcasts and definitely did that and hoglander has like done it he's maybe to a lesser extent he's not quite sort of 
there yet, but yeah. Um, obviously, the Swedish House Mafia line, which I'm sure <laughs> everyone heard about, was a fun line, but yeah, I would say that it wasn't as impressive as I thought it would be. Yeah, I, I think there was some times where you're like, oh, wow, he can do that. And you saw some plays. I think there was the one goal that he scored where it was very early on into his stint. And he walked in from the right side, had enough confidence to cut to the slot, then ripped a wrist shot in the top corner. And I was like, oh, like he could do that. He should do that all the yeah. time in the HL. And then it just it was wasn't a thing that you saw consistently. I thought he was a really good penalty killer uh, throughout his time in the AHL. I thought he was really good at faceoffs in the AHL. Um, so that's that's why I, even tonight uh, in Monday night's game against the Devils, I wasn't surprised to see Amon at center and Lazar on the wing, even though, you know, Lazar's got a lot more NHL experience. It's yeah. because they really like how Amon plays the position of center, right? Like he's, he's a good faceoff guy. He's on the right side of the puck a lot of the time. He's big bodied, long reach. So I wasn't expecting him to light it up in the AHL, but I was very happy to see that he was thriving in the skills that he's probably going to thrive at at the NHL. Like he's not going to be a scorer, right? He's not going to score 30 goals in the NHL, but he's probably going to kill penalties. He's probably going to take defensive zone faceoffs. He's probably going to need to have a, a decent possession number when you're looking at, you know, just trying to have a positive expected goals as a fourth line guy. So he was doing all those things in the AHL. It's just, he came in there so hot and like looked so good and all the hype behind the Swedish house mafia line got everyone kind of excited about the offense that he might have. And, didn't end up kind of translating from there, but uh, I thought he did a decent job in his AHL stint. I was a little bit surprised that he was called up with uh, with Pod Colson and PDG, though. Um, and were you expecting, like, were you surprised that Hoglander stayed where he was? Or do you think that was the right move just to give him a little more seasoning? Yeah, I think so. I think the... The, what is it? He plays two more NHL games. He requires waivers. So I wonder like the interesting thing, and I talked about this on our show today, but like if they want Huglander to be in the AHL playoffs, I'm pretty sure they have to keep him down there the whole season, right? Like once he plays two more games in the NHL, they can't send him back down for that playoff run. Huglander didn't get that playoff run last year. So yeah. I wonder how much that's at play of like this new management group, really wanting him to experience the AHL playoffs on a team that, you know, when you get Jack Rathbone healthy, when you get Pod Colson sent back down there, when you get Phil DiGiuseppe back down there, you know, Niels Amon can go back down there. Like, you, you're about to have a really good team yeah. for an HL playoff run. I, I wonder if they want him to be a part of that more than they want him to be a part of what the NHL's doing this season. So, yeah, I don't know how much longer he's going to stay there because it's it's NHL or bust, really, at this mm -hmm. point for Huglander if he comes up again. So, yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I do think, like, if it was just about the AHL playoffs, like, I don't think the Canucks management would care that much. Like, I don't know. They want a successful AHL team, like, they, but, you know, they want the developing talents more. But if you look at this season, they are a bit resigned to the fact that you know it's not gonna matter too much um <laughs> like where the canucks end up like i'm sure Toke wants this most stacked team he can get to try and like prove his worth but yeah in terms of the management i don't think they're too concerned about like how the season finishes off so like i think it's probably for the betterment of the vancouver canucks long term if hoglander stays in abbotsford um yeah and, and i mean how much have we talked about it that like that was the Pittsburgh model, right? Like keep your guys in the HL until they're absolutely NHL players. And 
I mean, I think Huglander on good nights is absolutely an NHL player, but on his bad nights, yeah, yeah, he isn't, right? Like, he doesn't look like an NHL player some games. And I think most games he looks like an NHL player, but you want to probably get him to that point where every game he looks like an NHLer because he has that much skill and speed and good pace. Like, I wonder if they keep him in the HL the whole season here, kind of remaining. And, you know, he didn't start the season down there, right? He's only played 20 games in the AHL up to yeah. this point. You know, Pod Colson was there longer. He played more games for them. So it'll be interesting if they if they keep now. There's still a lot of games left in the uh, in the AHL too, right? Is it like 27 games or something like that? Like there's there's still a lot of games before the playoffs. But yeah, I don't know if he's going to benefit from getting into the mix at the NHL that much. Yeah, and the Abbotsford Canucks. Um, I actually do not have the standings pulled up here, but I think they're sec- sitting at second or third. So, you know, like, if they want a good playoff um, berth, if they want a good playoff seeding, like, they're going to have to have a good finish to the season here, especially as, um, yeah, the Eastern Conference is pretty strong, as always. Um, <laughs> and, yes, like, I don't think many, like, Vancouver Canucks fans blinked an eye when Abbotsford, like, crashed out of playoffs last year after, like, promising end to a difficult season. But, like... Mm-hmm. It sure would be a good story, like if there's nothing going on in Vancouver, and then down the st- <laughs> like down the highway, there's like a team making a playoff run with some recognizable faces, you know, from the team. Um, finally, in the call-up group was Phil Giuseppe, who we haven't talked about yet. Um, got a goal tonight. Um, he was probably one of the most hyped prospects out of the camp, right? Like most people thought he would be staying up in Vancouver. Um, that didn't end up happening. Um, do you see him like as having an NHL future, or is he forever gonna be like he's 29 now? Like you know, it's he's pretty yeah. seasoned. So is it just gonna be an AHL kind of veteran kind of player? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's interesting with him because you always think of like the quad A player, and normally they're a shooter that's not quick right they don't or they're small and they're a very good shooter and scorer but they can't do it at the nhl because it's just that step faster but with with pdg like i i do really think he's just a good player like he's a good AHLer. he's not a quad a scorer he's like a very good AHLer who i think could contribute on a fourth line i think he does enough on the penalty kill can be a guy in your power play makes good passes like i think he's a guy who can play in the nhl i think he can kill penalties in the nhl and, he, you know, the fact that he scored a goal early on in his time under Rick Tockett, that's going to help him for a while here, right? Because they have some options to play center. It's not like, you know, they it's not like they're the wings are something to worry about. Like I mentioned earlier, they're playing Curtis Lazar on the wing tonight. Yeah. So there's a very easy way to have Sheldon Drys come out of the lineup if he's not good. But because DiGiuseppe has been good, he stays in. You move Lazar around like there's some real options, I think, with this team where you can give him a run. And I think that's a good thing for the spot that Rick Tockett's in right now, because he probably wants to try a lot of different guys out. And the trial so far for Phil DiGiuseppe has been good. Like he scored the game tying goal on Monday night to send it to overtime. That's, that's a really good spot to be in for a guy who listen, it wasn't like late, late in the third period, but decently late in the actual game, the fourth line guys, the one who scores for you. I think that's a, a good step in the right direction. So I've been banging the drum for a long time to see Phil DiGiuseppe up here. Uh, very happy to, that he's got an opportunity and scored so quickly into that opportunity too. So uh, I think he's a guy who can stick. I think he's uh, he's I think he's an NHL caliber like 
fourth line player. That's yeah. what I think he is. So it's too bad that it's taken this long to really get a chance with the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I agree. I feel like anyone that's been what watching a decent amount of the Abbotsford Canucks has kind of seen that him as a like very promising player and yeah maybe it takes a change of coach and admitting you're not get going to the playoffs this year to sort of mm. see these like high potential AHL players but I really hope you're right that he gets a sort of extended run and we don't just you know go back into the like tried and tested and like lineups um yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think especially with your bottom six, right? Like, mm-hmm. try a different guy in your bottom six. Let a different guy kill penalties. I I think it's, you know, he's absolutely worth, you know, earned his shot. He signed another contract to come here and try and do what he's doing exactly right now, and that's play some games at the NHL. And he's a guy that, like, I haven't been able to make it out to practices this year, but last year I made it out to a lot of Abbotsford practices, and you'd see him out there, and you're like, he is so much better than everyone else. Right. Like, with receiving passes, making passes, and it's funny because now, like this year, I've gone to every Canucks practice in Vancouver. Right. Last year, I went to a lot of Abbotsford, oh, yeah. and you just see like how different passes are from the NHL level to the AHL level. It's so obvious in practice. It's so clear when the defensemen are on the blue line at the end of practice shooting pucks. It's everything about the practice is a very different level. And I don't think Phil Giuseppe is going to look out of place at a Vancouver Canucks practice. So that's another way to kind of evaluate how I think he could fit in the NHL and why he should fit in the NHL. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Um, it was funny. I was watching um, the game on Friday night and my roommate came back. He doesn't watch a lot of hockey, but, and he was saying like, oh, yeah, I can tell this is an AHL game. And I think that's exactly right. <laughs> and you might be able to like, it'll be dependent on who's on the ice. But yeah, like... Um, there is a huge difference, and if you can fit in at the top club, that makes a big difference. And, like, you know, I'm a huge, huge Sheldon Dries fan, but, like, <laughs> yeah. like Team Sheldon all the way, but, like, you know, he, does he need to play every game from here to the end of the season? Like, no. Like, he can definitely be someone rotated in and out. He's not going to be the difference maker. And he's kind of similar to that Phil DiGiuseppe model in that it, he'll come up with that spark lay in the game and score a goal mm. and um yeah i think phil Di giuseppe would be like a it would be a great time to showcase that kind of skill of his um as yeah. We go. yeah well that's the thing with with sheldon dries like it's almost like he's more of a quad a player than phil giuseppe in my eyes because like the only thing that's really giving him a better chance is like you know, at least Drys can take faceoffs and can play center. And yeah, he scored more goals last year, but he was in a great spot on the power play last year. So it'll be interesting. Like they have, I think the, you know, the the kind of big takeaway from this conversation about him is like to to try the options. And that's exactly what I think this new coach is going to do uh, with this team specifically. Like we've mentioned what they're going to do in the bottom six, because one thing we've seen so far in these NHL games under talk, it is they're rotating these lines hard, right? Like it's the mm-hmm. Willie D model yeah. of just rolling four lines almost. Yeah. And you know, the fourth line guys are going to really get an opportunity. So for a guy like Phil D Giuseppe, I bet this is perfect for him. This is perfect. Now that he's in the NHL with a new coach, he just has a chance to prove himself. He scored a goal now very early on into this, like roll with it, like get hot, roll with it and be good on a fourth line. Cause what well, Curtis Lazar scored a second goal of the year and he's been on the fourth line all year long. Like take, you know, this is an all- huge opportunity for Phil Giuseppe. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the quick sort of sidebar on that, like thinking of the Team Sheldon thing and the kind of small differences, 
like Sheldon Rempel's like been playing for the Henson Silver Knights, and mm. like I don't know how much time he spent in the NHL this year. I don't think he's playing every time I see him um, in the AHL, so I don't think much. Um, and like at least last year, I think we were both surprised when Sheldon Dries got the call over Sheldon Rempel, and we kind of assumed that Rempel was going up and like he might be the more dangerous right. player, but. Like, Dries has just spent the majority of the season in the NHL just kind of by being that utility player, but it's fine margins, really. Yeah. Well, by the way, former Nanaimo Canuck, Sheldon Rempel, and I know you love that. Oh, you're right. Very good. <laughs> BC kid. Or at least BC grown. That's very cool. I didn't, like, I'm sure you must have mentioned that before, but maybe I just blank out whenever you say the word <laughs> Nanaimo. <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't been on the call in a long time. Yeah. Uh, that's true. But, like, yeah, by the way, like, if you're listening to this and you haven't been watching the AHL, like, honestly, it's 60 bucks per season. They do some great halfway through the season deals. And um, as great as Chris Faber was on the call, um, like, Brandon Assel, who does the majority of the Absolute Canucks games, it's just so good. Like, he's doing the whole mm -hmm. game by himself, and he just knows everything. If, like, there is a player that has just been called up like from the ECHL to play for the AHL team that <laughs> Abbotsford is playing, and he has a sister that also played college hockey. Like Brandon knows about it. Like he knows his stuff really. So yeah, he probably dated her or something. <laughs> I don't know what he's done. Brandon's he's great out there. He's awesome. And uh, yeah, like yeah, I think he's he's yeah he's very knowledgeable. Good. I've done some games with him in the past. It's great. It's one of the better broad better like solo broadcasts. But you know what the uh, who did I, who did they just play? Was it San Jose? Like their yeah. broadcast team is also very good because we've had some really bad ones. <laughs> like totally as agree. much as you just hyped up AHL TV, there are some <laughs> very funny moments when like I I just I think what I love the most about AHL TV and like the the actual broadcast of those games is like there's no so when you go to commercial break in the NHL it's a commercial yeah, yeah. in the AHL it's it's fans and they're seeing themselves on the jumbotrons so you get all of those reactions like I love that oh, in between yeah. the whistles I mean yeah I agree like yeah just to go off the rails on AHL TV like <laughs> it is so different like and that's part of the fun like so usually on the call um you get radio commercials so you get super funny mm -hmm. local radio commercials for like office equipment <laughs> which i didn't know they still advertised on the radio um or sometimes you get it where they don't have commercials they don't know they're still on mic and <laughs> <laughs> they will just continue to talk like i've heard it all the time especially in intermissions you just get like whatever the broadcasters like are talking about which is just super funny so <laughs> if you want a difference from like the polished quote-unquote polished yeah. <laughs> version that's the nhl the nhl is definitely that also all their intermission activities are hilarious like it's oh they're so good it's so good abbotsford often has this very cute dance team who are like um little girls doing their dance and they're pretty awful but very sweet <laughs> yeah there's been i really want uh oh what this is really off the rails now, but there was like the the Taekwondo one uh, at Rogers Arena. They need to get that out in Abbotsford. That was still the best like intermission thing that I've seen. And that was incredible that. at Rogers Arena. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people got to see it because it was at Rogers Arena and it was it was just incredible. Like it was the it was way better than like it was a horrible Canucks game at the time. It was yeah. at like the march of of letting Bruce Boudreaux go, but that intermission taekwondo was incredible. 
that was awesome. But I like the the AHL broadcast as well. Uh, I've noticed that like all the ones in California and kind of Tucson area all happen to be country stations as well. Yes. So yeah, you hear right. the exact same. Like they're always like all of them. Like even if they're different teams, they're all like you know like you know San Jose's home for country like yeah, whatever it so is, and like funny. they're it's just country and you know country music and hockey seems to be like the perfect mix down there in the states. Yeah, I don't know if it's just like fringe music and then fringe sports for California, but like. <laughs> Yeah, it, that is very funny. I've noticed that too. As you say, it's a pretty mixed bag, but yeah. Um, I don't know who the San, guy on the San Jose call, but he was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. Also, the Calgary Wranglers oh, f- have um, a female broadcaster who is yeah. very gl- good. I forget her name, but she is she's really good. So those are the ones you've got to look out for. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I'm forgetting the, the San Jose guy. I'm forgetting his name, but he used to be the Utica Comets uh, play-by-play guy oh. as well. So he, if you remember on the weekend, he's like telling stories about Carter Banks and you know Jalen Chatfield and stuff because he used to be uh, Utica's. Uh, okay, this makes. So I think much Zilch sense is his and... last name. Yeah. Yeah, I totally remember him, but I don't remember his because didn't he get a call? <laughs> didn't he call the Islanders games for a while? I thought he got sort of. Or was that? I know he's been he's been around a lot. Yeah. I gotta find his name. I tweeted okay. him. I think it's Andy Zilch. I feel like that's okay. the name. Maybe but it was anyways, the yeah. previous play by play guy at Utica that went to the Islanders. Because right. I don't think it was Andy Zilch. Sense. But yeah, that's very cool. Um. Anyway, enough inside baseball stuff. <laughs> we went super off yeah. the rails, but we will. I think that's a call for a sh- quick break, and when we come back, um. We'll kind of look at where the Abbotsford Canucks, like where they come from, where they're going as a franchise. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Take hitting out of the game. You can't hit anymore, so don't do it. The unsportsmanlike conduct, I want to get an explanation on. No kidding. Because how do you get suspended for unsportsmanlike conduct? Plus interference. There's no interference there. He had the puck. Now, Madison never ever did that before. Now, why did he do it? That Because he was mad. Well, your early favorite for the Calder <laughs> Trophy, that's for sure. Elias Pettersson, you might even say your early favorite for the Hart Trophy. Just to get back to your question, Elias is going to play plenty. He can play. He's going to get a lot of power play time. And, yeah, I'm concerned about our offense. We lost 200-point players, and we've got to find a way to score. Okay, um, before I forget, because I didn't put this in my notes and I thought I'd just remember it, um, and I didn't, let's, um, before we kind of go back in time, let's kind of look at the two of the more high-profile prospects in um, 
Abbotsford. Um, and we'll look at, like, we talked about him briefly earlier, but Daniela Klimovich and Artis Silov, like, they're, they're kind of very much, like, highly touted guys um, who, like, fans that are just watching Vancouver, like, they might be the most interested here. We kind of talked about Daniela Klimovich a bit. He's having a much better sophomore season. When you agree, what's the like biggest improvement you see in his game? Yeah, I think something has just kind of clicked on like the stuff that he was doing last season. There were some things that were really bad and it felt like he never maybe like understood or knew how, but either way he didn't he couldn't fix what he was doing wrong. Like he couldn't do it last year. They yeah. he would score some goals here and there when he got a really good opportunity or if he was on the power play. But he just couldn't fix those things last season that he was doing, like, whether it be some anger issues when he would lose the puck or get hit by anybody, you know, swinging your stick around, you can't do that. And mm-hmm. somebody has clicked something in Klimovich's head this year where it's like, and you saw this a lot last year because I know you watched last year as well, like, there was a lot of little bursts of anger that need yeah. to be handled at the level. This, like, I can't remember the last, I know he's done it early in the season, but yeah. he is really... Like every time he got hit, he swung his stick at, at some guy to hit, like swing him with the stick. It's like, dude, you can't do that. Um, but something's clicked this year on actually just learning what you can't do at the AHL level and at the professional level here in North America. So I I, I have to think it's something with the development staff with the Sedins or Jeremy Carlton out there. Like they, I think, have figured out how to teach Klimovich. And this year he's doing a lot of learning. So that's the biggest difference where last year he was adjusting. This year, it feels like he's learning. So I think that's the biggest change from year one to year two. Yeah, I think attitude is huge, right? Like, we kind of, it's the anger, the kind of burst of anger that he kind of expressed last year. They're kind of giving up on plays when it he lost the puck, mm. which, like, stop me if you've heard this one before, like, Vancouver fans. Like, um, we're kind of familiar when that happens, but really have yet, like, really seen way, way less of that this year. Um, and yeah, you wonder if that kind of understanding the North American game, understanding the ice and like the play a little more, um, has led to him being less frustrated. And yeah, you have to think that like the kind of mentorship is part of that. Yeah. I think that's been a huge part. I also think just like from a comparing skill from last year to this year i think he's done a much better job of being consistently able to handle the puck and shoot the puck like last year there was a lot of fans on passes uh or on shots but this year he's like when he flexes his stick it's going to turn into a shot and whether it be a shot on net a shot that misses the net a goal whatever it may be at least he's getting the shot off where it felt like last year like we saw when he released a good shot and he didn't release a good shot every single time he attempted one. Like it was last year, you saw it little tiny bits and pieces. This year, like there is a much more consistent way of shooting that he's doing that's just a lot more impressive than what we saw last year. So like consistency and learning and paying attention to the defense zone and work ethic, like it's night and day. Like it really is night and day. Like there's obviously still a lot for him to work on. Uh, like we just did our Canucks army Well, we're in the middle of it and he dropped in our rankings to number four. Uh, but like, I feel like he's taken a huge step still at the same time, but at the same time, there is such a long road before yeah. people really get excited about seeing him at the NHL. Cause 
the things that people are seeing on Twitter are, you know, Cody's highlights or my highlights or, you know, Abbotsford's putting them out. And yeah, like if you just watch that, you're like, God damn, like he's very, very good. But there's a lot of things and there's a handful of games you'll see where you're like, oh, like he still hasn't figured it out yet. But I think he's getting there. Like, I do think he's getting there. And the thought of him being an NHLer. Uh, from this point, like today, compared to what it was a year ago, is night and day difference. I I think if he continues on this path that he's shown this season, he will be an NHLer. Yeah, I think that's a like great kind of message of hope. But yeah, cautious optimism with him. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I do think like it's kind of like you said, like he was just not able to think the game last year, and like he couldn't put together like a strong shift finishing in a shot like too often whereas now it's like right part it's like almost a full game that he's playing um does seem like jeremy colton like i don't know how high my hopes were when he came in don't know if that's just because of like background with nhl but it does seem to be that players are playing pretty hard for him and developing like pretty well for him like what do you think the difference is between like you know Trent Cole's like years years in the AHL and Jeremy Colleton? You know what I actually find it kind of interesting of like so for Trent Cole like I think he's an excellent like people person and like players coach. Yeah. And it's almost mirrors the NHL because Bruce Boudreaux was like that with the Vancouver Canucks yeah. and Rick Tockett apparently has more of a system and wants these guys to play more defensive. I, I really think it's very similar to Jeremy Carlton. Like he is a guy who really believes in structure. He really kind of leans on his assistant coaches to be a team as they're coaching this group. Um, I just think Carlton's done an excellent job coming in and like, Last year, you you rarely saw a period where the Canucks allowed five, the Abbotsford Canucks allowed five or less shots. But this year, like, it's like at least one period a game. Yeah. Carlton has his team just locked in and they're giving up like three shots a period or four shots a period. And you're like, that's that's defensive structure. I think he's yeah. got the forwards really helping in their own zone. I think there's a plan for how to break out. Uh, I just think Carlton's doing a hell of a job out there in Abbotsford. And I, I think... Trent Cole did a really good job of making people comfortable. And it really, I think that that situation that Trent Cole was in from coaching them was like, I think that's why we saw Sheldon drives, rip it up. And Sheldon Rempel have such a good offensive season. Cause those players really thrived under having like a player's coach yeah, who makes like, you in a good mood and needed like arm around the shoulders, someone to believe in them to sort of like reignite that. Yeah. Way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, the, and those vets, they thrived. And I think under Colleton, getting these young guys to play in a very structured type of play is really benefiting them. Cause a lot of these young guys need to learn that and need to work on that. And when you're in a system that's actually forcing you to be like that, I really think you're gaining a lot. And Daniela Klimovich is a perfect example. Like I, I also love that Jeremy Carlton's playing Daniela Klimovich with Arshdeep Baines so much, like, cause Baines is so smart. He's yeah. probably the smartest. Like, I think he's the smartest player Smartest hockey player on that Abbotsford Canucks team. I don't think there's a smarter player who understands the pace of play than Archdeep Baines on that AHL team. And the fact that you put him up there with with Daniela Klimovich to play on a similar line, I, I think he knows exactly what he's doing there. And it's worked out well. Those two have looked really good so far together. Yeah, I think that's really important because like, that's what the Canucks farm teams over the years have really suffered with is the developing the young prospects into an NHL player or like really keeping that development up. You see teams around 
the league and the AHL that have these great vet players that are leading the way in scoring. I think I remember like watching the Abbotsford Canucks get kicked out of the playoffs and it seemed like every score on the other team was like like <laughs> either an ex Canuck or on some other NHL vet that was like over thirty and it's just like that's great for like making it to the second round of the playoffs or whatever, but like <laughs> is that what you want your farm team to be? Yeah, what was it the other night we saw Adam Cracknell uh, oh, yeah. drop the gloves with somebody? Like, unreal. Unreal throwback. <laughs> Honestly, like, if you watch the HL, like, um, regularly, you'll just, like, have these moments where you're like, oh my god, I remember that guy. <laughs> like, whether it's for the Canucks or, like, some other team. But yeah, there's some really um, familiar players that, like, you're amazed they're still playing hockey, but they are, so... Yeah, um, I mean, I'm I'm convinced that uh, Derek Pouliot's gonna be an AHLer till he's like 58. Like he's gonna be, he's gonna be in the AHL for yeah. another 30 years. I mean, I think he scored on the Abbotsford Canucks both games over the weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like that goals team. I was just trying to look at the goals team, um, see if I can remember who was scoring against Abbotsford last year. And of course, they have um, Ollie Levy and Michael Delzotto. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're still making a living out of hockey, so oh. fair play. Um, yeah, we talked about defensive responsibility, and I do think you're really seeing that from the forwards group this year, which is great. Um, but like on the back end, getting to Artur Silovs, really tricky task this year. Like He's basically been holding down the fort by himself. Um, the Abbotsford Canucks signed an emergency player and Jake Kupski from the ECHL who has tried his very best, but I think you can see a sizable difference when he's playing compared to Seelov's. Um, what have you thought of Seelov's game this year and then the, him responding to that challenge? Yeah, I think it was going to be an interesting spot for Seelov's. Like I said going into the season that, to me, like a very good scenario would be if he is working his way through the season and then is the starter for them in the playoffs, right? Like That would have been a very good developmental season for Seelovs, but he got pushed into that role because Colin Delia had to come up with the Thatcher Demko injury. And then you're like, oh, are they rushing Seelovs here? Like he's playing on back-to-back nights a lot of the time in the AHL because like you said, like Kupski, you know, he's a great ECHL goalie, but that's another massive jump in hockey to jump up to the AHL. And yeah, that's been clear throughout the season. But like Seelovs' record is 19 wins, nine losses, and four overtime losses. Like he's been... Very, very good. He's second in the AHL for wins. He's playing a ton of minutes. Uh, and I think it's it's kind of, to me, like sped up his development as well, where mm-hmm. I didn't think he would be an NHL or an AHL starter at 21 because I thought he'd have this season to figure it out, next season to be a starter, and then push to be the backup the year after that. But like I, I could see him. I just I just think that there's so much in Seelov's game that I like, like from, from him being so just kind of athletic and flexible and big. And there's a lot to like there, but he's to me like, and I just wrote about this. He's going to, he's going to be number three on our prospect rankings, which drops tomorrow. But like for him, I I just think that he reminds me so much of like Jacob Markstrom where Mm -hmm. he lets in those goals like under his arms and he's not as tight like you'd like to see. But when Markstrom figured that out, then his, you know, his athleticism and all the other things he does so well really began to shine. And I think that's the thing with Seelovs is like when he's scrambling and just needs to stop the puck instead of being a goalie, he's so good. Like yeah. he's so good at being athletic and just stopping the puck. But the thing that he needs to work on is like being a goalie. And 
you're in the perfect spot to learn that because you're here with Ian Clark, probably the best goaltending coach in the world. So you're in a great spot to learn how to be a goalie instead of a guy who just stops pucks. And I think that's where Seelovs is at right now. And I, you know, very high on this guy. There's a reason why we put him in number three on the rankings. Like I'm, I think this guy's going to play in the NHL and be an NHL goalie. I don't know if he'll be a starter, but this year has been a good, really good stepping stone for him to get this experience. Yeah, and speaking of Jacob Markstrom's athleticism, don't know if you caught the overtime between Calgary and New York uh, <laughs> today, but like <laughs> he was like fully athletic uh, today. It was very exciting overtime. So, um, yeah, maybe catch up on that if you haven't. Um, I will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you say, our C-Love's gap control, like certainly something he could work on. Um, the Canucks management definitely sort of picked him out as the goalie of the future, right? And picked him over Di Pietro and they kind of had a too many goalie situation and now they have too few, um, as is like frequently the case with the Canucks. But, um, like the accelerated development really could have gone two ways, so it does seem to have worked and does seem to have thrived under that pressure where like what's the kind of timeline you see him on and yeah like does it depend a lot on sort of Demko's return from injury and how long term that effect is yeah I I expected him to kind of come to the NHL not this season not next season but the year after that like come out of training camp and be the guy who fights for a spot then but if you remember like after Thatcher Demko like took the reins in Utica and ran with it, he was, you know, begging for a call up kind of in January there. And then he ended up getting that opportunity. So I, I wonder if Seelovs is on a similar path. He'd be a year younger um than Markstrom if he does or sorry, than than uh, Demko. I got too many goalies now on my yeah, mind. I don't sorry. like this. But like <laughs> you get to uh you know, if he gets here say in, in January or February of next year just to play like it's all going to really depend on where the organization is with their goaltending with Thatcher Demko also how they look as a playoff team next year so I don't think that there's a date kind of like that's a for sure timeline for him to get here but I think that like I think for sure not this season not next season but the year after that he's coming into training camp to make the NHL for sure like I think that's the time where he for sure is going to try to his hardest and make it clear that he should be in the NHL so He's a couple years away still, I think. Yeah, that's fair. And we don't want to rush development as we have in the past, especially with goalies. Um, yeah. I think that's really <laughs> important. Um, yeah, just to sort of widen the conversation a bit, how have you kind of found the big question, but like the sort of two years that the Canucks have spent in Abbotsford, um, do you think it's really changed things to have that sort of farm team close by? I honestly think like having the Sedins being able to go between both franchises is one huge thing. The lack of travel time for injury call-ups is huge and that sort of just keeping an eye on things. Do you think it's like been a math difference? And yeah, would you say it's a success or a work in progress? I think it's an, it's an absolute success, but I, I also think they've made changes throughout this season that have been really good for the fan experience. Like, like, when I'm out in Abbotsford, I'm the only media member. So yeah. like some behind the scenes stuff here is like, I know everybody. I know the whole socials team. I know every security guard. Like I know everybody out there in Abbotsford and they, they know me. So we're like, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to watch what they've done this year specifically is like, 
like we came into this year and they didn't have, especially last year, they didn't have a great socials team behind it. They had a yeah. little bit, they had a very bare bones thing. I show up to an ads for game now and there's like four people working the socials. There's oh, wow. somebody else doing PR. So behind the scenes stuff, they've made a massive improvement. Like I, I told them this last time I was out there, like the Abbotsford Canucks have a better TikTok account than the Vancouver Canucks. Oh, yeah. Like they actually, they do a hell of a job on some of their socials yeah, and the that's the well. certain... Yeah, Warriors are incredible. We know why the Warriors yeah. are so good. Because we know who's running that one. But like, I, I think it's been just the fan experience to kind of draw people in. Like, it pays it pays off to to invest in your social media team and you know have the whatever it be sixteen to twenty five year olds seeing you on TikTok and being yeah. like, oh, like this is fun. Let's go to an Oxford game. I. I I don't like, I can't honestly say that I think the crowds have been a massive difference from their first year to their second yeah. year. There's some nights like when there's a, a special night out there in Abbotsford, it fills it up pretty good. But I mean, for an HL team, they do great. I just think for what that market could be, they haven't really hit the prime yet. So I guess, yeah, it's a work in progress, but I think it's also a success still. Like I think it's, it's been successful, but it's a work in progress to get it where it can be. But I really think like what they're doing out there with the Sedines, with Carlton, with the social media team, with everybody in the arena, like they're all doing an incredible job to make it like a fun experience. And I know everybody that does end up going out there to Abbotsford, like they all have a good time. It's yeah. just about getting that consistent number in there. Uh, and we'll see when that happens. It might take a little bit of time. Yeah. And Anyone who knows me knows that I don't like leaving the city limits, but <laughs> I did for one game last year. I got out finally to see Abbotsford in April. Honestly, I'd go all the time if I had a car, but like, it's just yeah. not practical for me to like get out there every night, like, or every game. Um, I will say I'm sad to be missing. I was going to try and get out for the Sedine night on Friday. Um, unfortunately, I can't get to that, but like, yeah, if anyone's listening, like that's, that's sure to be like uh one of the more interesting like theme nights honestly it's like if you're local to it it's fraction of the price of the vancouver canucks and like you know this is the future of your team so mm -hmm. i think it's worth yeah to. i think overall that yeah they've done a, a good job of of like what you just said they're like this is the future of your team it didn't really feel like it that much last year because yeah. it's like how many guys were actually gonna be on the nhl roster but now like you know, people that were going out there the last couple months got to see Vasily Pod Colson and Niels yeah. Huglander and Linus Carlson and like a very fun team that does have NHL potential. So, you know, you've kind of always had Archer Seelovs out there in the two years, but he wasn't even playing that much last year. No. So like this year is a lot more of what you just said of like, yes, this is some of the future of the NHL team. And Atu Ratu is only going to be a massive boost to what that already is because now he's, you know, one of the top prospects in the system and he's already here in the HL. So that's that's massive. It's a, it's a big win for what they're going to have moving forward here. And I, I think that's going to be the kind of way that this team uses the HL team moving forward. Like I, I would expect to probably see Jacob Truscott be there next year. Who's right. a defense prospect. Yanni Yermo, another defense prospect be there next year. I, I don't think LeCare Mackey's going to be there. I think he's going to stay in Sweden, but you know, they're going to try and make some, some pushes to get their prospects there and be like, Hey, look what happened to Danila Klinovich working with the Sedins, right? Yeah. Like, this and is an example I mean, of how we can develop. Big sell, right? Like getting to work yeah. with the Sedins. Like that's like a huge <laughs> sort of, yeah, difference maker, I guess. Um, yeah, it's funny. Just, you mentioned Linus Carlson. We haven't even talked about him and episode's almost <laughs> over. But that's kind of the time right now that there is quite a few exciting players. Like I've really liked watching Linus Carlson play, I have to say. Um, is there anyone else like... Um, big surprises this year for me it's like Kyle Rao 
like I had never heard of him before. <laughs> and just like he is his consistency in scoring has just like really surprised me. So is there any like player that you just really didn't see it coming, their development this year? Yeah, I think the two quickly is like Christian Willane and I'll just yeah. I'll keep it really short since yeah, we are wrapping up here. But like he he is he should be in the NHL. I I just watched a full game of Riley Stillman and I could tell you that Christian Willanen should be in the NHL. Uh, and then the other, uh, Tristan Nielsen, like yeah. he, the fact that the Canucks haven't, I mean, like he's really good in the NHL. So I understand maybe why they haven't given him an NHL contract, but if he continues to play like this at the age that he's at and somebody actually like does a scouting report on him and watches what he does in, in the game, aside from the highlights and the points, like some NHL team is going to be like, you know, this guy might be worth a contract. So um, I, I think Nielsen, the original, the OG dog, uh, yeah, he's going to be excellent uh, <laughs> for this team moving forward uh, in Abbotsford. And I hope he stays out there because, yeah, I, I think he might be a guy that can earn an NHL contract here pretty soon. Yeah. Um, uh, Vancouver giant success story. Um, and mm. yeah, hopefully could see him. Yeah. In Vancouver at some point. Um, yeah. As I think we'll pretty much leave it there. Um, I think as we've shown, like, we've talked for, like, almost an hour um, just about the Abbotsford team. Like, this is an exciting time. And I think as bleak as it looks for Vancouver at the present moment, <laughs> I think we're seeing sore tonight. Um, there is some excitement and some um, future and potential in Abbotsford. So um, keep looking out and keep consuming um, the content about it, like, as we mentioned, Cody Severson does a really great job covering the team. So um, read his articles, watch his clips. Um, but yeah, like, and definitely listen to Kurt's conversation because Faber's cross prospect reports are like always <laughs> great, whether he's talking about the Abbotsford Canucks or future Abbotsford Canucks. <laughs> yeah. No, those are good. And I appreciate it because my co-host falls asleep half the time pretty much. So <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it's good to know somebody is like some. <laughs> I'm definitely listening. Quads, yeah, might be trying to cut you <laughs> off. But um, yeah, I always enjoy that moment. Um, yeah. So do you have any final words, um, Faber? Anything exciting coming up with Canucks Conversation or Canucks Army you want to plug? Yeah. Uh, yeah, nothing really on Canucks Convo. We're back to five shows a week, except uh, we'll be taking the Tuesday off this week to go do some content for uh, one of our sponsors. But uh, I guess at Canucks Army, I got my top 10 prospect rankings, right. which was like, I was Biggest so excited to like hype up. Comes out today. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that'll come out yeah. today, Tuesday, as the people listen to this. Yeah, so number three will be on Tuesday. Number two will be, yeah, Wednesday and then Thursday, we'll wrap it up with number one. Actually, we're going to have a number zero because I didn't have time to put Atu Ratu in like a real rankings. Yeah, that's uh, But it was funny because I was supposed to kick off like it was going to be all all-star week every day. There's going to be no news except my prospect stuff. So people are going to really right. be into it. Then it's like I dropped number 10. That's cool. It goes well. It does really good with a lot of people clicking it. And then right before I'm about to drop number nine of the rankings, they trade Bo Horvat and it's like, oh, well, nobody cares about my stupid little prospect stuff anymore. So that's where I'm at with that. But hey, we're in the final three now. So we're rolling into the final three here. Yeah, everyone's forgotten about Bo. It's fine. Um, at least until <laughs> um, until Thursday. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it was such um, great, like, great fun talking with you, Faber. So thank you so much for joining us. Um if you've gotten this far, like, make sure you're subscribed to Canucks Conversation. Um, 
I'm just a podcast listener, but they do have a YouTube show live every day if you have um, work that allows you to watch at 1 p.m., which um, some people do. So that's a good, good <laughs> fun. And um, yeah, like Quads and Favors certainly have a lot of fun. So um, definitely check that out. Um, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review. Um, follow us on Twitter at the C4 Podcast, on Facebook at the C4 Podcast as well. Come join us in Discord. Um, talk about the Canucks. Talk about, um, yeah, if you want to get started and like learn a bit more about Abbotsford, like please start the conversation in Discord. Um, or just post your meals. Like go visit, um, no free ads, but Montana's Steakhouse. That's Canucks Conversation sponsor. <laughs> Why don't you sponsor us as well? That would be great. Um, but yeah, if you visit, please post your meal in our Nom Nom channel. Anyway, um, you can find us on discord.io forward slash C4 podcast if you want to come join the conversation there. Um, as Chris mentioned, we're also in Buy Me a Coffee. Um, that's support.c4podcast.com, I think. Please check Chris's actual. <laughs> Uh, when he actually keep going it, Anna you're doing so good yeah I know I love how I just <laughs> decided to do this part without notes even though this is the one part you could literally just read off notes but yeah um, come join us next week Chris usual Chris will be back um, and I promise we'll be talking more about the Vancouver Canucks that week but yeah trust me like Albertsford is team we're talking about um, but yeah thanks so much Faber for joining us um we love having you on, and we'll definitely have you on down the road, maybe when Abbotsford make the playoffs. Yeah, I think I have to take a month or two off from you guys because I feel like, what is this, two and three weeks yeah, left I, on the show now? Yeah, you definitely, uh, we've definitely been treated to your presence <laughs> quite a lot. So um, we'll take a couple months off, Faber, and then he'll come back. Um, but with Perfect. all that said, we'll see you next week. We out.